Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast very proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have back on the show one of our serial guests, Robin Purdy from our very own Aspect Legal. Robin, welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast. Oh, thanks, Joe. Feels like I was just here not long ago with you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because that's absolute, the absolute truth. <laughs> It's a pleasure to be here. And today we are going to talk um, about assets, which is awesome because assets are behind, you know, a lot of what we're doing. We're working with sellers yeah. selling assets. We're working with buyers buying assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the, one of the ways that I like to look at um, business sales and acquisitions is that this concept of value and how that value will transfer is actually at the core of what we do. It's at the core of the transaction for, you know, you know, for the buyers, for the sellers, but um, also for us as the legal advisors. And so when we're talking here today about intangible versus tangible assets, whilst maybe conceptually it doesn't sound very sexy, it is it's like it's important. <laughs> it's, it's critical to the core of what we're actually doing when. Um, and I guess we're talking about this because we've had a number of instances of businesses that we've dealt with who have, when selling their business, come to the realisation or we might be acting for buyers that that the business itself is so uh, or the value is um, comprised primarily of intangible assets that it can become really tricky to verify the value of those assets. So maybe, Robin, give us your thoughts on where that issue comes in. Maybe we can even talk about a few examples we've seen and then some critical differences our listeners need to understand between intangible and tangible assets. Sure. All right. So let's look at this from a buyer's perspective. Okay. So you've obviously, you've found a business that's very attractive to you and the seller has asked for X purchase price. Let's take a nice round figure of a million dollars there. As a potential buyer, I want to know what I'm getting for my million dollars is worth indeed what I'm going to be paying for it. Now, traditionally, you can see stock on floor. You can see physical assets. These are the things that we talk about, tangible assets, things that you can touch, property, stock, plant, equipment, vehicles, machinery, fixtures, fittings in the premises. These are the, you know, the furniture, things that you can see, things that you can touch, easy to look at, and usually, generally speaking, easy to attribute a value to. The difficulty can sometimes come when you're talking about the intangible assets. And these are the opposite. These are things that cannot physically be touched. So what we're talking about here is typical examples like um, goodwill and intellectual property, trademarks, trade secrets. It can even extend to things like domain names, business mm. names, patient lists, customer Copyright. lists, you know, so <laughs> the value that's wrapped up in a supplier relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, now these days we're looking at things like digital currency um, and things like that. Um, which are non-monetary um, and other forms of monetary sometimes don't fall into the, the intangible assets category. But the important thing to note there is sometimes that it can be really difficult to figure out 
where the value is in relation to these intangible assets. And these days, with so many businesses operating in the online space, a lot of the goodwill is wrapped up in things like the website, the source code behind the website, the presentation of the website, the database of clients that sign up to the website. And as a purchaser, I want to know that I'm paying a million dollars and these intangible assets are worth a million dollars. Yeah. And I guess the other thing to consider, you know, I'm thinking of uh, some specific examples we've had at Aspect Legal where businesses have come to us and said, oh, look, they're expanding, they want to buy, they're looking at a target um, and the target hasn't um, made a lot of revenue yet, but it has, you know, value in the software or in the website or in something else in the business that, Um, where where revenue isn't being able to be used as an indicator of value in those instances. And in those instances, we obviously buyers are concerned about what is it that they're getting and how can they establish that value. Some of the things that we then go and look at, Robin, um, go back to that chain of title, like proving ownership of that Absolutely. I mean, as an owner of a business, typically you may be engaging a third-party contractor to help you with your website design. And so we're thinking at that point in terms of chain of title and ownership, can we prove to a potential seller that we actually own the website, that we own the source code behind the website? And sometimes, you know, as part of that DD, that due diligence process, you really need to dig right down into, well, first of all, what am I getting for my money? And second of all, how do I know that the person selling it to me actually has the right to sell it to me? The last thing I want to do as a buyer is pay a million dollars only to find out later down the track that I don't own what I thought I did own because it's actually owned by a third party. Yeah, absolutely. So so I guess it comes down to a number of things there for intangible assets. There's number one, digging into the value through due diligence. And some of those things that we've talked about, the need to get into the contracts that have comprised the uh, creation of those intangible assets. And then the second component is um, is our sales contract. So where does our sales contract come in? Do, do you feel, Robin? Well, I think within the sales contract itself, that's typically where you're identifying what actually is being sold with the business. And so we want to make sure that we're including there identification properly of both the tangible and the intangible assets, what we're we're seeing as included in the business, you know, specific things like, you know, the domain name, for example, is obviously going to be very important to a business with an online presence. Um, And we want to make sure that that's identified clearly in the contract. So there's no question about um, the transfer of that after completion of the sale. Um, And then similarly, when you're talking about allocation of the purchase price, and and this is where you'll need to consult with your accountant financial specialist to make sure that any financial records that is being provided as part of the due diligence process are accurately reflecting the value that's being attributed to both the tangible and the intangible assets correctly, because the Australian accounting standards requires buyers to allocate, you know, part of the consideration um, for the assets and the liabilities. And so, and that includes both tangible and intangible assets for those financial reporting purposes. And that's always going to come down to, well, what does the contract say in that respect? 
Yeah, and and while we're talking about records, I think that's another super good point, actually, that really we should talk about. So intangible assets, often the records behind them, by that I mean, as an example, for trademarks that are being used by the business, if they're not registered at the particular point of taking over ownership of the business, or indeed, if they're in the middle of a registration process, it might be extremely important to make sure you're getting records right back to the date of creation of that intangible asset and the use of that trademark over the period of time. So that might be something that isn't necessarily always in the heads of buyers when they're purchasing a business. If there's a lot of value tied up in something that are assets that are intangible, sometimes you'll need to ensure that you have a really rigorous consideration as to the records that you need to be taking over as part of this sale that might be above and beyond what might normally be thought about for tangible assets. Absolutely. I mean, and another example in that respect, Joe, can simply come down to in terms of ownership, you might have a situation where the, the business is owned um, in, in a family structure by a trust with a proprietary limited company as trustee um, who's operating that business on behalf of the trust. But yet the trademark application was made in the director's own yeah. personal name or the domain name is held in the personal name as opposed to the company name, similar examples. Um, exist elsewhere, you know, so we want to make sure during that due diligence process that we're identifying who the proper owner is so that that can be reflected accurately in the contract. In some situations, it may be necessary for transfers to take place before the contract is actually signed. So the vendor owns everything, or you may need multiple vendors in a contract to make sure that everybody is appropriately selling the assets that they own to the potential buyer. That's such a good point. And and this is another reason why um, businesses who are looking to sell in the um, future should absolutely seek legal advice from lawyers who understand this business sale and acquisition environment and understand what a buyer will be digging for when there's a um, you know a high value in intangible assets in the business that's being sold. Because in many instances, we've had to go back and in order to properly prep businesses for sale, go and fix up some of these anomalies or some of these potential issues that might be sitting there in the business. The reality is that the earlier this is done, the better, because sometimes there is a lot of mop-up to be done. Yes. And it can even, you know, separately to that issue, another consideration there, in some um, states and territories in Australia, stamp duty is payable on sales of businesses. Um, And the allocation of the purchase price to intangible versus tangible assets can affect what the dutiable value of the business is, Mm. which ultimately can then affect the amount of stamp duty that's payable. Um, So, you know, making sure that we identify very clearly at the beginning what those assets are um, and what value is attributed to them in terms of the allocation of the the purchase price itself um, Mm. can give everybody a really clear picture about those sorts of things going forward. The last thing anybody wants is an unexpected stamp duty liability um, that they haven't budgeted for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and then I guess uh, rounding out as well, the, the other area that we should talk about is warranties um, within the contract because usually the other element that will be quite important for intangible assets is how the contract sets up the warranties by the seller. Um, you know, and from the sell side, um, you'll want to understand the implication of these warranties because many sellers don't 
fully understand the implication of the warranties and they may not understand the breadth of the implication of those warranties. And the second part is as a buyer, you want to understand what are the warranties that you really need to be putting in there to protect your investment. So it's, you know, it's important from both sides of the fence for both your buyer and your seller to understand the difference between intangible assets to tangible assets and what that means in the warranties at the end of the day. Yes, absolutely. I mean, sometimes with intangible assets, by their very nature, it may be very difficult to clearly identify a chain of ownership. And that's where warranties and representations Mm. are going to become really important. Uh, We would hate to see a situation where, you know, the customer list is, you know, as far as the purchaser is concerned, is owned by the vendor um, and then it actually, you know, comes to light further down the track that that wasn't the, the case um, and the customers are not owned as part of the business, you know. Look, it's not something that we see every day, but it does happen. And, and you know, from our perspective as legal advisors um, and as your professionals, we're here to help you avoid these pitfalls, avoid these traps um, and make sure that we're identifying these sorts of issues at the very beginning of your transaction so we can see you through to a really smooth completion. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I I guess, you know, the two perspectives, as we said before, is, you know, number one, acting for sellers, so on sell side, it's really about making sure that sellers are properly prepared for the sale process so that they can justify the value um, in their business if their business has a high value attributed to intangible assets. So that's the first thing. Yeah, we're talking about really early early stages here for the sellers to get the ducks in line um, and to make sure that their house of cards is really stable. So we don't want any big bad wolf purchases coming over and blowing that house down, do we? That's such a good point. (laughs) I love that we have not been able to go to... There's a little piece analogy. Um, and then on the buy side, obviously, it's about the importance of, you know, lots of buyers come to us with a lot of emotion in their deal. And you know what? We're emotional about deals too. We want to make it happen. But yes. it, it's about um, helping to direct the buyers to understand how is it that you can provide some sort of certainty that you're going to get the value in these intangible assets uh, Absolutely. In, when you're taking over the business. And, and we've talked a lot about um, the, the background of intangible assets. Just one thing I want to add in. Uh, from a buy side, the other sorts of things that you want to be looking at, and it's useful to understand from a sell side as well, because this is what you need to ma- make sure is in order, are other contracts that may not be seen to be even part or related to the intangible assets. And when I say that, I mean, um, a- as an example, employment agreements are one of those sorts of contracts because if if you have um if there's a lot of value in the client base and you have employment agreements of key staff where they don't have restraints in relation sure. to taking the clients and there's a risk that they might not continue with the business once you've bought it well then at least you understand that that is a risk in relation to um you know perhaps a leak in value of the client base and we can use other means then to try and ensure that we're getting locked in value so earnouts deferred payments, um, the requirement to hit milestones, all of those sorts of things. We can get a bit creative, but it's about understanding both from the sell side and a buy side what this looks like, how you protect it, and how you dig to ensure that that value is there and can be transferred. Absolutely. Look, another example is in relation to supplier arrangements. It may be that the supplier with a vendor, with with an owner of a business, has a really solid um, relationship that's been there for quite some time. Um, but there's no paperwork behind that relationship. And it may be that upon selling the business, 
that supplier doesn't have the same level of faith or confidence that they may have in the in the new in the new owner of the business and all of a sudden the terms of that supply arrangement are not as favorable or they they no longer want to supply um and you know in a situation where that person was a key supplier um that that could be an essential thing that can really affect the validity uh, the value of the business going forward. So, mm. you know, employment agreements absolutely important, but you know, turn your mind to supplier arrangements, distributor arrangements can be important likewise. Brilliant. Well, look, I think we've covered a lot here, Robin. Perhaps more than you, the listener, thought could even be <laughs> from talking about this scintillating topic of intangible assets. But I think you'll agree now, having gotten to the end. Actually, there is a bit of importance in this consideration of intangible assets. Robin, I just want to say a massive thank you to you for joining us on the Deal Room podcast today. Very welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. I hope you found the content useful and interesting. Obviously, talking about intangible assets may on the face of it not sound very exciting, but hopefully you saw the importance as Robin and I discussed these issues. Now, I just thought I'd make special mention of the fact that many of our listeners are accountants, brokers, corporate advisors, and other business advisors. And so I just thought I'd give you a few helpful pointers about where in that discussion discussion or relationship with your clients, it might become relevant to think about some of these issues and think about when it is that they should be seeing a lawyer who specializes in business sale and acquisitions matters. Now, of course, if you're an accountant or a general business advisor and you're dealing with a client that you feel is coming within the next five years of an exit, then it's critically important that you mention to them the importance of engaging a lawyer who is used to dealing with businesses at sale. Of course, this is not something that general commercial solicitors even will deal with on a daily basis. It is a bit of a specialised area. And so some of the considerations of what businesses need to be doing in advance to prep themselves for a sale are something that they may not really have thought about before. And certainly when we're looking at businesses where a lot of the value is held in intangible assets, it is of critical importance that they're getting advice as early as possible on how to set the business up in order to be able to withstand the critical eye of a buyer in the future at some point. And for brokers or corporate advisors, of course, if you're working with businesses that are coming to you at at the point of sale to look at finding a buyer for them, it's also critically important that they engage with a specialist lawyer early in the process. So while you're getting them ready for sale from a commercial perspective, we're getting them ready for sale from a legal perspective because there's a lot that can be done if we can get in before the point that we actually have a commercial terms document or heads of agreement, you know, before the buyer is found, essentially. Of course, if we're coming in at the point where the buyer is found sometimes, there's still a lot that we can do to assist a seller in making sure they can make it through that due diligence process or that buyer scrutiny, even with intangible assets. But the general advice is that earlier the better. Well, anyway, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today on the Deal Room podcast. If you'd like more information about this topic, then just have head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you'd love to read it in detail. Just as a warning, 
It is automatically transcribed. So while it gets a light review, you might find a few typos here and there, but it's an automatic transcription. So bear with us if you want the transcript. There on our website, you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisition process, and we'd love to work with you or your clients. Wonderful. And finally, look, if you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to hit subscribe on your podcast player in order for us to be delivered each week to your favorite podcast listening device. And of course, we'd love you to leave us a review if you enjoyed what you heard. Well, thanks again for listening in. You have been listening to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Have you heard of Aspect Legal's partner program? Our partner program is a free program that's open to brokers, corporate advisors, accountants, and any other advisors to businesses who are dealing with organizations that are leading into a sale or acquisition of businesses or shares. As part of our partner program, we offer free access to our legal hotline, which is a support line to our specialist lawyers. We also provide a pre-free sale legal review to buyers and sellers where we educate them about the process and timelines from a legal perspective. And the third element that forms part of this partner program is a match-up database that we run where effectively we're able to connect up accountants or brokers or corporate advisors with businesses who are looking to either sell or acquire. So if you're a partner of ours, you go straight into that partner database and where we can see opportunities to provide matchups, then we introduce you. And the final element of our partner program is ongoing education in the form of seminars, webinars and meetups. And that's something new that we're introducing into the partner program in early 2020. So if you're not a partner, then all you need to do to become a partner is just pop us an email at partners at aspectlegal.com. And just simply say in your subject column, I want to become a partner. It's as easy as that to get immediate access to our free legal hotline and all of those other resources. We look forward to having you on board as a partner. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.